the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Every pitch is your pitch. The greatest show on dirt. Omaha! Omaha! Deep to left field. Way back there. Gone! A grand slam! Omaha wins the college world series. Now, they can add college baseball to their trophy case. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus College Baseball Edition. Officially second week into the postseason with the Super Regionals coming up. We have shaved 64 teams down to 16. And I am joined by my podcast partner, as always, Brad Audrain, at Real Brad Audrain, who was an animal last week. Took Ole Miss. He took Arkansas. He took so many winners last week, I couldn't even keep up with it. I'm sitting over here with a Coastal and a Grand Canyon trying to play long shot. Nice try by Coastal there in the end, but uh, I didn't get there. Brad, you are uh, uh, red hot. What is your take, besides your hot take on what Stillwater umpire crew was, uh, what's your what's your big take from the regional weekend? You know, the more postseason college baseball that I watch over the years, you realize that they just throw teams under the bus, man. You you get a you get a Miami who who's got an Arizona and Ole Miss in their bracket who be, who may both have been better than Miami actually, but Miami played Virginia Tech and UNC more times. So they, you know, it, it, it could just be difficult, but it, it was it was a lot of fun. There were there were there are a lot of good teams out there. It was fun watching uh, Southern Miss win. And, and move on even past LSU. Uh, I missed on Auburn. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't pick all SEC teams. I know anybody that's up there listening probably thinks all I do is pick SEC teams, but I didn't get the OU over Florida. That made me feel good too, but man, it's a, they're hard to pick. And the teams that can bat and pitch and play defense, as we've said every, every week, they're the ones that continue moving on because it takes all three, you know, it's not just one. You, know, you can't, you can't get away with just one. Even, even if you're the best in the country at hitting, you you have to be able to pitch. Otherwise you're, you're going to run into another offensive juggernaut at some point. I think everybody should be aware that, I mean, last weekend was just an offensive bonanza, uh, especially in Stillwater, the Razorback bats finally woke up. But then again, I could say the same thing about Missouri state who had Oklahoma state down 10 to zero before Oklahoma state came back and won that game in a game that I think 49 runs were scored. So it was 12, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah, it's, they still can't. 12, 12 nothing. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, I think totals, and I've already seen the opening lines for uh, the Friday, Saturday games that are starting. Totals are really down. They're probably going to take a lot of oversteam. Uh, in my opinion, I think pitching is going to be at a premium this weekend. So there could be some sneaky unders in here. So let's talk about the Super Regionals real quick. Uh, there's eight of them. There's 16 teams. In case you're unfamiliar with what happens, it's a best two out of three. This thing could be done in two games. It's not going to be the marathon that last week was. Yes, every game was five, six hours long. Uh, I felt like I was on like a James Bond TNT marathon run or certain Thanksgiving when I was uh, in college. But uh, no, this weekend, uh, two games, it could be over. Best two out of three. Um, and there's only eight super regionals. And we're going to start off with the top team in the nation, of course the Tennessee Volunteers, who I can't tell you, Brad, how hard I was cheering for Campbell, uh, taking a lead, putting a little bit of scare on him in game two. I can't tell you how much I was shocked that Georgia Tech had a lead. 
But ultimately, in the end, Tennessee scored 10 runs in the top of the ninth through two games to come back and win those games, making them a great live bet. Now they're taking on a Notre Dame team that, frankly, was anchored by John Michael Bertrand. He was their game one starter. He closed in the last game for them. Notre Dame has nobody else to pitch besides John Michael Bertrand. Uh, I know Notre Dame was playing with a chip on their shoulder last week after not getting a regional. Uh, this number, I know it opened up around minus you know 340-ish. I think that that is an extremely low line because when you look at Tennessee as a whole, no matter if they throw Tidwell or Burns or Dollander, it doesn't matter who they throw. They have an advantage. John Bertrand is the only Notre Dame pitcher that maybe can hang with Tennessee's pitching staff. And then when you look at the hitting, realize that Notre Dame scored only 11 runs in three games last week. Brad, I don't think this is going to fly. I think this number should be way over the 300s. I would still buy it at minus 400, minus 500. And I think if you can find a prop on Tennessee to win 2-0, minus one and a half for the series, I think you should take it. Do you have any differing opinions on that? I'm throwing in right now. I'm going to try to get a, uh, a couple three-game parlays going and I'm definitely rolling with minus one and a half minus 155 for Tennessee you know one and a half runs is have they ever won a game by one run I don't you know maybe I don't don't recall um no they didn't beat Campbell by one but but no they've uh Notre Dame they showed up last weekend in a very soft regional and they didn't get their own basically the NCAA gave them (laughs) gave they hosted away from home so, yeah, no, Tennessee's going to take this one. And I don't think they like the Irish over there in Knoxville anyway. So, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> they're, they're going to be mean and angry and it, it'll be a fun series to watch. But I think Tennessee probably, probably win that one in two. Yeah. And, you know, I'm looking at the odds right now. DraftKings got them up first. It opened up about minus 340 on Notre Dame. I believe I sent out a tweet and I said, yeah, I'd buy that price. That's up to minus 400 as we're recording here on a Wednesday. I expect that thing to probably get to minus 500 by the time this series starts. If you wanted to bet under two and a half total games in this series, it would be minus 170. So uh, there is your prop right there. If you don't think Notre Dame can win a game, I don't think they can. Brad doesn't think that they can. Brad, uh, plus 150. You and I talked about this while we were in uh, the Cosmo months ago. Tennessee is now back to plus 150 to win the College World Series. We're uh, we're still not biting on that, right? Brad, correct me if I'm wrong. The strength of schedule that's outside the top 50, I think, showed up when Campbell and Georgia Tech gave them some, you know, I know Tennessee came back, but at least they showed that Tennessee can bleed, right? The uh, Von Drago is bleeding, don't you think? They, I mean, they can bleed. Here's the deal. <laughs> they, <laughs> it's it's baseball. So it, not only is it baseball, but it's 18-year-olds playing baseball. So there, there's no guarantees in this game. And as we've, as we've seen, one – Number one overall seed has won in Omaha in the last 20 years or something. So I'm not guaranteeing that Tennessee is, you know, going to take this thing and, and sweep everybody all the way to the end. However, I don't believe that Notre Dame if, – if Notre Dame had hosted at home and they had hosted a team like Arkansas as opposed to Oklahoma State and, – and I'm just using Arkansas as an example, but let me go through here. You know, if they had hosted East Carolina or – or hosted at Ole Miss or, or a Stanford or a Connecticut, I think Notre Dame would have lost that series as well. So, so yeah, I, I don't think that they're the team to knock them out. But, yes, Tennessee is capable of being beat, and you catch them on the right day, absolutely. Yeah. 
So we'll keep our eyes open. It's not going to happen this weekend. Uh, so Brad and I both love under two and a half total games, minus 170 here. And by the way, the opening lines, the Friday night lines on this series have opened, and Tennessee is minus 300. We don't know if it's Blade Tidwell. We don't know if it's going to be Burns, Dollander, Drew Beam. It doesn't matter. That number should not be minus 300. It should be up around minus 450 or higher. We're going to pivot over to the Greenville Super Regional. Uh, this is the nine and uh, number nine, Texas, going to number eight, East Carolina. Of course, the winner of this will be slotted in Omaha against Tennessee, as we project. Uh, Brad, I, th- to me, this, this is a pretty easy handicap, in my opinion. Pete Hansen is always the first pitcher for Texas on Friday. Lucas Gordon is going to be the pitcher on Saturday. And if they have to go to their third options for whoever game three is going to be, that is where East Carolina can beat them. So the handicap for me on this was, hey, East Carolina's offense, 196th and on base, 115th and slugging, outside the top 100 homers per nine. Yeah, they got through last weekend. Let's remember, this is a program that's making their seventh Super Regional in program history, and they've never made it to Omaha. And I don't think that they can beat Texas. Texas didn't even sweat last weekend. I would be shocked if this thing got to a third game. I project Pete Hansen for Texas to be about minus 340. Uh, I project Lucas Gordon on Saturday to be about minus 220 against C.J. Mayhew of East Carolina. Brad, am I just – is there too much Longhorn love that I got going on here, a, a team that's going to be a future SEC team here? I just can't get over the fact they're top five in slugging, and they moved into the top position in the nation in defensive field percentage. I think this is the Longhorns all the way. Colin, I think this is Texas' series. East Carolina has been a good story. They, uh, I mean, they looked good last weekend. It was a battle with Coastal, but I got to go Longhorns. Uh, Texas tried and true. Give me, give me that uh, long-time program. They're not going to be scared about being on the road. I can't even figure out why they're on the road. You know, <laughs> I think of the NCAA. I don't know why. They, they, they see this thing however the hell they want to because there's, there's no repercussions. There's nobody, you know, in basketball or whatever, you, you got big conferences coming down on them saying, hey, look, you know, we're not going to support you anymore if you keep screwing around in NCAA. But in baseball, nobody gives a shit. So they just <laughs> kind of carry on. It's crazy. Yeah. Some of these regions last weekend were overloaded with talent. Some of them were pretty empty. Uh, I think the one thing you want to look out for with East Carolina is the pitch count on Carter Spivey. He's easily their glue guy out of the bullpen. He came in through five innings uh, and just lit up the scoreboard. Uh, I would just keep an eye on when Carter Spivey, because if they use him more than say 70 to 80 pitches on Friday or Saturday, and they do make it to Saturday, that's going to be tough. Uh, so, but this is Texas all the way for us. Uh, minus 170 is still on the board as we record this. If you, uh, you know, I'm going to have a piece out on action network that projects all the starting pitcher matchups that gets translated into a series price. And my series price on this is Texas minus 240. So go out there and buy yourself some Longhorns. We're going to stay in the state of Texas. We're going to move in to the 5-12 matchup. 12 always beats the 5, right? Or get Texas A&M as the host. Uh, with Brad States is a stadium that seats 35 people. Uh, they're going to take on Louisville from the ACC. And, you know, let me talk about the pitching matchups here. We're going to start on Friday. Garrett Schmeltz is going to start for Louisville against Micah Dallas, the uh, fifth-year uh, transfer coming in for A&M. I've got that lined at minus 110. Saturday, Nathan Detmer of Texas A&M against Jared Polin of Louisville. I've got that Louisville minus 130. 
Sunday, Carson Leggett for Louisville against Ryan Prager of Texas A&M. I've got that Texas A&M minus 105. Brad, I don't have a single one of these games projected out of minus 130. You know, this is a thing where I think it's a coin flip all the way. Series price for me projects to be a coin flip. So I want to take the plus money on the board. That plus money right now is Louisville at plus 120. Uh, They were plus 110. A&M has taken some steam since I wrote my article yesterday. You have an opinion on this? Because Louisville can hit lights out. I'm not sure if Texas A&M at a neutral site would have enough firepower on offense to hang. If this series was being played at Louisville, I might roll with Louisville. But I did watch Louisville play a lot of baseball against Virginia Tech, and I think I saw him play one of their series. You know, it's a hard one. It's probably the best matchup on the board this week, yeah. to be honest with you. That I also, I mean, I guess OU v Tech and Arkansas, you'd see are, are good as well. And so it's Ole Miss. There's a lot of good baseball this weekend, but. This is one where you've got a you've got a, a very good team out of the ACC and a very good team out of the SEC, and there's not drastic differences. I mean, all three of these pitchers for both squads, can, I mean, they can they can all throw. So, as far as betting goes, this is a very difficult one. If you can get anything at a good price, take it. The opening line for Friday night's game for. Louisville plus 135, AM minus 175. So clearly it has jumped uh, from the original discussion. Probably Louisville's the bet there, but I truly think, man, with that at home, that stadium, <laughs> I, I never said 35. Maybe I said it seems like it seats 3,500, but they're the <laughs> loudest 3,500 people. Now, I think it's like 8,000 or something, 7,000. It's they increasing. Hold. But it, but it, but it, they're very loud, and uh, it's, not, it's not a fun place to play. So yeah. Louisville probably hadn't seen that yet all season. I know, I know they think they've been in some real battles with VTech and UNC and whatever else. But let me tell you, you know, they thought they were in trouble with Miami, but no, this is not Alex Rodriguez ballpark. Bluebell means business, <laughs> and those guys are loud. So you know, you, you better bring your big boy pants, uh, Cardinals, because it's it's going to get serious there. So if you're playing just numbers alone and you don't care about stats or you don't care about narrative, you don't care about home field advantage, Louisville plus 110 has a little bit of value. I think plus 120 is out there too. If you want to know how tight this series is going to be, the over under on two and a half games in this series is evenly lined at minus 115 on both sides. So Vegas doesn't even, you know, I'm sorry, odds makers don't even know. It's a coin flip on whether this thing goes three games. If there's an X factor in this and you're looking to bet on Sunday, that name is Jacob Palish for Texas A&M. I mean, he's the one that's come in and just been lights out for them out of the bullpen. He's, he, he's every he's every night. If that's yeah. the thing about A&M is if they have one bad outing from a pitcher, Palish is going to come in and yep. dominate. And he, <laughs> you can't hit him. I mean, when he comes in, he goes <laughs> five innings. Of, I mean, <laughs> it, it changes everything having a pitcher like that. It could turn a three-game series – like that because you think you got to their starting pitcher and then this guy comes in and next thing you know you're dealing with somebody who's even better and he he was the number one x factor i saw basically all season regular yeah. season baseball so and, and i think people should realize if you're gonna bet on this series we think it's a coin flip all the way but if you see jacob palish for texas a&m his pitch count is 50 on friday his pitch count is 50 on saturday or maybe it's greater 
heading into Sunday, that may be a weapon that Texas A&M doesn't have. So monitor Jacob Palish's pitch count. Let's go ahead and move on to Blacksburg Super Regional. English Field, which is my, I believe that NASA should be launching their rockets to the moon from there. Uh, just a ton of runs. OU defeats Florida. They're going to head on up to play Virginia Tech, see if they can wipe out one of the strongest teams in the ACC. Uh, you know, this is one of those things where I project this Virginia Tech minus 250, and I just see too many advantages from a statistical standpoint. You know, Virginia Tech is top 20 in fielding percentage. Oklahoma is around 100th. Virginia Tech is top five in home runs per nine. I mean, that is some pop in the bat. Oklahoma, 122nd home runs per nine. It's just not instant offense. Oklahoma is all about getting guys on base and forcing pitchers to do bad things. Can you do that against Virginia Tech? You can. And I actually think Oklahoma should be favored in that Friday matchup with Jake Bennett. Uh, he should be minus 230 against Drew Hackenberg. If you want a betting deliverable on this, right now, Oklahoma's plus 115 in the opener. Uh, you know, I think that should be, you know, that should that's a huge Jake Bennett bet for me. But, you know, this is a series where I got to play the numbers. Uh, I think Virginia Tech should be minus 250 based on the fact of what David Sandlin is for Oklahoma. Griffin Green will have the advantage over him. And then Ryan Metz will have an advantage over Kate Horton. But overall, Brad, this is English field. You are not surviving English field unless you have an offense that can instantly put balls over walls. And that's what Virginia Tech can do. And that's not what Oklahoma can do. And I can't back an Oklahoma team that's 132nd in staff ERA. It's hard to argue with you on that. There's no numbers to justify. There's no numbers to justify Oklahoma being where they are right now, to be yeah. honest with you. They've been on this streak, and have they hit a little bit better than what their numbers were previously? Yes. Have they pitched a little bit better? Yes. But the, the numbers don't justify where they are. They've been playing very good baseball. You know, they like you said, they've been getting on base. You know, do you get hit by a pitch? Do you, do you take walks? all these things. I think Virginia Tech is not the t- team that you want to try to sneak by like that. Florida was a good target for what Oklahoma had been doing. Virginia Tech is kind of like Oklahoma State in that <laughs> you don't get to wait around and and hope they beat themselves. You have to beat them because they're going to be on the board. They're going to score runs. And at some point, you have to do the same. Now, Oh, you scored runs a couple times in in uh, Gainesville, but I don't think this is their weekend. I'm I'm rolling Virginia Tech on this one. Yeah, I agree with you there. So we're gonna go ahead and move on from there. I mean, again, this is another one where uh, odds makers have opened up the over under on two and a half games in the series at minus one fifteen both ways. It could go three if Bennett doesn't get it done for OU on Friday night. Then it's lights out. This will be two games. Uh, but I, I do think there's a pretty good chance that Oklahoma wins game one and Virginia Tech comes roaring back. Let's move on to the other side of what will be the Omaha bracket. These teams, these games we're about to mention, will start on Saturday. Game two will be on Sunday. And then the finale, if it's needed, will be on Monday. We're going to start with, to me, was a bet that I had to make right out of the gate. Number two, Stanford against UConn. You know, there's some controversy about UConn winning, beating Maryland, about that running in the baseline and the, and, and the runner running over the, you know, the UConn, uh, I think, first baseman. Uh, him getting thrown out. Maryland got robbed of the regional, even though the score was 10 to eight and there's only one guy on, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. UConn is one of the best pitching teams in the nation. They're top five in ER staff ERA, they're top five in staff whip. And when I look at these projections for these guys, 
you know, Austin Peterson for UConn and Pat Gallagher for UConn going on Saturday and Sunday. These are monster, monster pitchers. And frankly, I think Stanford is a little bit weak. I mean, they're 88th in on-base percentage. They can't really harass you. They do have pop in the bat, although I didn't see a lot of it this past weekend, except in games where it didn't really matter and they piled on. Uh, they can pitch. But, Brad, I, am I just drinking too much Kool-Aid from a UConn team that won a regional and then Maryland fans booed them out of the building onto their team bus? Uh, or is this pitching for the Huskies extremely for real and cannot just win this, but maybe do some, you know, let's do some damage in, in Omaha? Well, winning <laughs> at Maryland, who absolutely had no business getting a hosting a regional in the first place. Hear that, Maryland fans? Yes, you're the Big Ten, not the ACC. You had no business hosting a regional. UConn traveled right down the road, beat Maryland. I don't care how they did it. Uh, they're pitching. They're pitching looked really good in that series, but Maryland is not good. So right. going to the West coast. I don't, I don't think you're crazy. I think that you are, you're onto something with UConn. I wish they weren't playing Stanford. I think Stanford's a solid team. I think it's hard to win there. Yeah. Uh, and the way that they, the way they came back, I, I, don't, I can't understand how <laughs> I read some article on D one baseball where they were acting like it was like miracle on 34th street that Stanford <laughs> won that ball game. And it was like, you were down two. <laughs> or something to Texas State at home. The real miracle was that Texas State was ahead of you. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of want to roll with UConn here as well. Yeah. However, they're going to have to be tough because I, I just don't think Stanford's an easy place to win. And I, and I do. They're just Stanford's solid across the board. So, so UConn's going to have to hit a little bit better than probably what they've been hitting. And what time are those games? Because I noticed that out on the West Coast, man, it is such a big, bigger difference. At night, you get that moisture in the air out there, and the balls just die. But in the morning, they fly. So, yeah, yeah I currently stated UConn Stanford is going to go Saturday night. It looks like I'm reading 7:30 p.m. Who knows if okay. that's yeah? Happening. We get 10 a.m. in Chapel Hill, by the way. <laughs> How that break? Yeah, I don't know. I love Little League baseball, NCAA. So let me throw some cold water on my numbers and all my spreadsheet work I did to get here. I actually make this number Stanford minus 390 based on the starting pitcher projections. So this number should be more around UConn plus 300. Now, this hasn't moved in the time that odds first opened up on Tuesday to the time you and I are recording this now. The Stanford line is still minus 310. UConn is still plus 240. And you'll see over at actionnetwork.com, I say, you know, put a half unit on UConn and, uh, you know, if you see it rise, if you see that plus 240 turn into a 300, throw another half unit on it. Now, I think maybe maybe you'll agree with me on this. Do you think that over two and a half games in this series at plus 115 is something you would play between UConn and Stanford? Yes, I do. I think that that will probably definitely go to three games. However, I've got this trash Bentley, Arkansas website that I'm working with here. And uh, no, I don't, I don't get that option. All I've got is... Uh, Connecticut plus 155. Yeah, thanks, Bentley. If you are listening out there, uh, everybody in the state of Arkansas needs a, uh, a better betting app than what they've got out there. So any of the big boys, please come to the state of Arkansas. 
All right, let's move on to the Chapel Hill Super Regional. You and I could go forever on this, right? North Carolina, Arkansas, obviously you have the read and I don't because I didn't, well, I didn't think Oklahoma State was good enough to win the regional. I didn't think Arkansas, well, losing their last two series of the year against Alabama and Vanderbilt, showing up to Hoover, two and out, going home, looked lifeless. Dave Van Horn wasn't there. We don't know if he's sick, got COVID or got the shits. We don't know what the hell's going on with this team. They show up. And Lanzilli's hitting home runs. Lanzilli's getting tagged in the stomach and fights are almost breaking out. Uh, we got, you know, Hagen Smith getting some terrible calls, but then coming in in the game finale and just absolutely ripping through the Stillwater lineup, including Rock Reggio, finally getting that kid to, to take a strikeout and go back to the dugout and grab some wood on the bench. Brad, uh, this series to me was really hard to predict. Connor Nolan's going to go first against Max Carlson. I make that North Carolina minus 145. They're actually the underdog right now on that Saturday game at 10 a.m. Sunday, I got Brandon Schaefer for North Carolina against Hagen Smith, our lefty freshman. I project North Carolina minus 195 in that game. And then if needed on Monday, Jackson Wiggins, can he please locate for Arkansas going up against Connor Bavare? North Carolina, I project that North Carolina minus 130. I said this earlier on another show today, Brad, and I'm going to repeat this and I'll let you take it away. When Hagen Smith and Jackson Wiggins are locating, we can win the College World Series. When Hagen Smith and Jackson Wiggins are not locating and their ERA that is about a five and their FIP, which is about a five, starts to show up, any one of the final 15 teams can beat Arkansas. Do you agree with that assessment? I'm not going to put Jackson Wiggins in the same category as Hagen Smith. Jackson Wiggins throws a straight fastball. Right. It's not, it's, it's not healthy for a pitcher, <laughs> not because he's going to hurt his arm, because the ball's going to go over the damn fence. <laughs> he, he throws like Vermillion. Hagen Smith, however, has so much run on his fastball that it looks like a slider most times. That is the kind of pitch that could take you a long way in baseball. And he needs to just keep his head on his shoulders, honestly, because it doesn't have to always locate quite like he wants it to. It's just that he can't hit players, <laughs> don't hit batters. And then when things go wrong, Dave, do not pull him in the first inning because two men are on base. Like Dave, Dave will let Ramage give up eight home runs and we got to sit here and watch him continue to pitch. But Hagen Smith, is, is not like Wiggins. Wiggins, Wiggins is – I just don't trust Wiggins at all right now. To he be can't honest. locate. That's what I'm saying. The I don't know. He can't, but it wouldn't even matter if he could because his whole deal was based on this 99 to 100-mile-an-hour pitch that teams that are good can smoke. They kill it every single time when he locates it. And North Carolina so, is top 30 in homers per, per nine. So Yeah, no, and I'm not – but I'm what we need is Evan Taylor to locate. We need Evan Taylor to locate. We need Hagen Smith to be confident on the mound. We need Connor, the Connor Nolan to show up. We need more Zach Morris. Yes, we need tons of Zach Morris. Oh my gosh, Bayside, baby. I mean, give me the whole gang. When I wake up in the morning and the alarm gets out of warning, I don't think I'll ever make it on time. By the time I grab my books and I give myself a look, I'm at the corner just Zach Morris, I was so impressed with Zach Morris, by the way. I've not been kind to him uh, the last two years. This season I have, but 
But Zach Morris, man, uh, I'm in love. Like, he he saved us. I think that our bullpen is strong enough to where whatever Jackson Wiggins does is not going to matter. What we need is Hagen Smith, Connor Nolan to show up. And, and, and the bats have to come and they have to get they have to show that energy. They maybe they needed they needed Lanzilla getting punched in the gut over at first base. They needed those umpires calling trash and and having a head coach that won't stick up for them and won't won't put anybody in the right spots like Dave Van Horn. Uh, something to make them come together on the field because they've they've been so dead out there all season and I feel a lot better about Arkansas this weekend than I did last because Oklahoma State's offense was, I mean, it was exhausting to, yes. to go up against all day long. And I know UNC is really good, but I think UNC is really hot. And then they, they hit pretty well at home, but they remind me yeah, somewhat of Miami. It's just Miami wasn't, wasn't hot at the right time and UNC was. But then next thing you know, their season's on the line against Virginia Commonwealth. I mean, I'm not sure that that's the team that needed to knock you, knock you down a peg, UNC, Virginia Commonwealth at home. I mean, I get it. You're in the ACC, so you got to host. But I, I, I don't trust them, man. I, I do. I put them in the same category as, as, as I did Miami last weekend. So that's kind of where I stand with it, and I know that I'm a homer. I can't help it. But it's because I watch <laughs> a lot, so I got to pull for them. But but I do believe that this Arkansas team is more talented, maybe than some are giving credit for, because our seating and our head coach sucks. <laughs> right. So uh, Brad is being objective there, and uh, so I think the couple notes that I want to throw in uh, from a numbers perspective: North Carolina starters are better than Arkansas starters. But when it comes to bullpens, it's Arkansas from a team ERA, a team FIP, a team WHIP, uh, all of that. Keep in mind, North Carolina, yes, they're the ACC champions. Yes, North Carolina was one of the hottest teams coming into the regionals. Postseason champions, hold on. Tournament. <laughs> yes, ACC uh, tournament champions. But let me, let, let me remind everybody, North Carolina, 9-14 and 14 against RPI top 25 teams. And I know Brad's ready to say, wait, Arkansas is not a top 25 RPI team. Uh, so North Carolina, <laughs> that damn RPI again, huh? Yeah, North Carolina has had some uh, North Carolina's had some issues against the top ranked teams in the in the country. So I think really, if Arkansas can get Schaefer to go deep, if they can get Carlson to go deep, they're going to win this thing. I don't even know what to make of a 10 a.m. start on on Saturday. That's uh, crazy. But Connor Nolan's like what 85 years old. He was a quarterback for us in the Bielema era, so it's probably lunchtime for him. He'll probably yeah. He closed there. yeah. You know he closes. Freshman season in 2016, and then he closed yes. last game for us. Uh, Dave thought it was a good idea to put him in for the save opportunity instead of our freshman closer, who's aces, who lost his nerve after he lost the save opportunity. Oh, God, Dave Inhorn. Can you me. believe Connor Nolan's been around in, at the University of Arkansas? He's been enrolled through three presidents. Can you believe that? <laughs> I can. He's been here a really long time. <laughs> you know, I mean uh, – I, I do. I like the guy. He, you know, I support him, but we're not going to miss him that bad. He's, you know, he, he starts on Friday night, but he's not a Friday night starter. Yeah. Well, that's going to be Hagen Smith's spot next year. Let's move on to the Hattiesburg Super Regional. Uh, this one, to me, I think Brad and I are going to completely disagree here. Ole Miss, red hot out of the SEC, a team that we thought in April was dead, dead in the water in the SEC. They were struggling to make the SEC tournament. 
Now they're going to go to Hattiesburg against a Southern Miss team that just fought off LSU and all of LSU's fans coming to Hattiesburg. Now in-state Ole Miss, everybody in that state gets to travel to Hattiesburg to try to support the Rebels for the SEC side. Uh, Brad, this to me, I cannot get over how great Southern Miss pitching staff is. Tanner Hall, I've got him well above Dylan DeLucia in game one. I got Hurston Waldrip in game two, minus 230 over Hunter Elliott for Ole Miss. And if this goes to a game three, Derek Diamond's numbers have been bad. I mean, we're talking maybe you're going to get three or four innings, and he's he's got an ERA of about 5'5 five, five and a FIP even higher than that. Then there's Hunter Riggins of Southern Miss, who may be the best starting pitcher out of all of these. Uh, I can't get over the starting pitching in this. Like I said about UConn, UConn being top five and team ERA, team whip. Southern Miss is second in the nation in both those categories. They also have a road RPI of eight, so they are battle-tested. They're not on the road here. And pay attention to park factors here because this is going to be a big pitching matchup. Southern Miss is also 0.75 in park factors, meaning they didn't score in many runs at home at all in conference play. They scored a ton more on the road. I love Southern Miss's fielding percentage at 26 against Old Miss's outside the top 100. I really have problems with Old Miss's OBP, uh, you know, sitting around 146th. Old Miss can hit the long ball. They've got the pop in the bat to get those big ones. And Tim Elko is on fire more than anyone in the nation in any lineup right now. But I'm going to go with Southern Miss's pitching, Brad. You Go ahead. Come back at that. You're not crazy. You're looking at this like it's science. <laughs> and, you know, I can't blame a guy that wants to come in with reason. Uh, but – the one factor that we're not bringing into some of this is the bullpens and depth. And while, yes, the start, all three starters for Southern Miss are better than all three starters for Ole Miss. There's really no doubt about that. If it weren't for Tennessee being out there, Southern Miss would be the best pitching team in the country by far. Yeah, but they happen to come into this weird alien team in Knoxville that, you know, hits and pitches better than everybody else in the country. So, so I was very impressed with Southern Miss last weekend. Uh, that was probably the best baseball played throughout an entire series. Those final games, the final games with LSU and Southern Miss were awesome. Uh, and, I, and I think that this is going to be super exciting for those. I mean, I don't ever want to go to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, I'm pretty sure I've been there on my way to Florida and I don't ever want to go again just because it was hot and I can't imagine there's that much to do, but <laughs> if you live in Mississippi, you got to go, you know, yeah. like, I mean, this is, this is some great local two Mississippi teams going head to head. What are the odds? The NCAA thought there was 0.0% chance that Ole Miss was going to come out of a rod park down there in Miami going up against Southern Miss. So I am sticking to my guns when I picked this thing from the start. I had Ole Miss beating Southern Miss in this, in this exact situation. I'm not sure if, if, if Southern Miss was playing, it was an East Coast team or a West Coast team. I don't know that Ole Miss have the magic to do it again, but because they're it's going to be like half and half, man. You know, I mean, yeah. the fans there, I, yeah. I can't imagine. I'm sure there's more Ole Miss fans in Hattiesburg, Mississippi than there are in Southern Miss. I, mean, I don't know. Look, I know Brett Favre went there, but outside of that, not a lot going on. So 
I'm going to go with Ole Miss. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the bigger bats. I'm going to go with Gonzalez, man. I love isn't that the shortstop's name? <laughs> that, that dude is is the most talented. He's the big, best prospect in the entire series. And I don't know. It's it's hard to come up with all the reasons, but I'm going to roll with bullpen. I'm going to roll with strength of schedule, uh, and and go that route. Yeah, and uh, you know, I us have just having a disagreement here. The odds right now are Southern Miss minus one twenty. Uh, that's taken 10 cents of juice since it opened up Ole Miss at minus 110. And the over on this game, this thing going over two and a half games in the series is minus 140. Odds makers completely expect this thing to go 100%. Yeah, into the final game. And really, the key to this is the Southern Miss pitching. All three of them are capable of throwing complete game shutouts. Can they avoid the long ball of Ole Miss, Tim Elko? We're going to find out because Park Factor says it's really hard to get balls over the fence here. Ole Miss is one of the best home run hitting teams in the nation. So we'll see how that plays out. We're going to split our bets there. And finally, we are going to end with a team that I love every week. Every week. I think it's our eighth podcast, Brad. I, I, I can't get over how much I love Oregon State. I almost had egg on my face. I cannot believe that they had to go into an additional game in which Cooper Derpy had to save it, come in for two innings. I'm glad the nation finally, – I finally saw Twitter chatter. I finally saw the people that I follow on Twitter start saying, whoever this Cooper Derpy guy is, he's he's electric, he's amazing. Yes, we've known that forever. Uh, he is the best pitcher in this series. Maybe – I mean, we're just, we're just talking about Southern Miss and Tennessee. Oregon State, Cooper Derpy may be the best pitcher left out of everything. So let's talk about the odds here. Saturday start for this. I think that helps because Cooper Derby closed out the two innings to win the regional. So now he gets five days of rest, which should be enough for him to go. Trace Bright of Auburn going up against Cooper Derby on Saturday. I think Oregon State should be minus 900 in that game. Uh, obviously, if you have an account at some of these places where game one odds are up right now, uh, Oregon State is listed at minus 165. That number should be way higher with Cooper Derby going. After that, we got Jacob Finnings, Oregon State, going up against Joseph Gonzalez. I got Oregon State minus 270 there. And then I project Mason Burnett for Auburn going up against Jacob Matz uh, and Oregon State being minus 270 in that one. In total, that gives a series price of 89% to Oregon State, making this a slam of the minus 155 number that is posted out there. And, you know, I mean, just to go a little bit on about Auburn, why I don't like Auburn this weekend, Brad, they had one of the highest park factors at home of any team in the nation, outside of maybe Virginia Tech at English Field, where everything just takes off. Uh, Auburn and Sonny Deshara and Bobby Pierce absolutely lit up the scoreboard when they were at home. When they were on the road, they only scored 66% of the runs that they scored on the road during conference play. They're just a different team away from home. Uh, you know, I don't even know what to say. I, you know, the Tigers are a different team on the road. They shouldn't have been a regional host in the first place. You know, I, I think the Auburn pitching staff is going to have a problem, uh, you know, with these hitters of Oregon State who are extremely good at OBP. They're not really big home run hitters, but they're top 20 and getting on base, and that could cause a lot of defensive issues. I'm taking Oregon State here. You know, if you want to hedge after after Cooper Jerby's start on, on the second game on Sunday, you can. Uh, but I think this Oregon State minus 155 is playable up to minus 225. Oh, and I'm glad we get to finally agree on uh, on one just right down the middle. This one's this was not close. Auburn has been raking, right? But you, like you said, their park factor is huge, and they're playing in Oregon State. It's a yeah. long way, long way across the country. 
and you're going up a team uh, up against a team that is just solid. I mean, they're good at pretty much everything. They don't hit a lot of home runs, but that usually means that you don't get a lot of home runs in your in their ballpark either. And Auburn kind of wins with with home runs here and there. I know that I know their home runs per game is like 80th or something, but I promise you, I watched them win a lot of late games, but knocking one out. So they may have one of the best hitters in, in the game, but I think we're looking at a team that is solid across the board. I trust Oregon State. Outside of the SEC, I think Oregon State is the best best baseball team I've seen all season, and really just outside of Tennessee. I mean, I predict that we're going to look at Oregon State. I thought for a little while it might be Stanford and Tennessee in the finals in, uh, in Omaha, but I think we're looking at Oregon State, Tennessee, and I, I kind of hope we get it because I think that would be the best best baseball played. So, yeah. Same same page, and and the the bets are out there. I mean, the bets are out there for for this because I mean, I'm looking at it. I just actually made a bet on Oregon State uh, a few minutes ago. <laughs> minus minus one and a half runs, plus one fifteen. Yeah, you give me plus one and a half runs. I mean, you 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 have if you win, you have to win by one. So right. one and a half. Why are we going to change minus one ninety to plus 115 by giving me a half run. Yeah. I'm going to trust, I'm going to trust the Beavers here. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. So let's go ahead and recap. And then I'll ask you one question before we get off the podcast for the super regional breakdown here. So Brad and I are both on Tennessee. We think it ends in two games. I am on Texas. Brad is on Texas. We don't think that, uh, you know, East Carolina who's hosting can get past Pete Hansen and Lucas Gordon through the first two games of the series. Uh, that would immediately slot Texas in against Tennessee up in Omaha. After that, College Station. Brad likes Texas A&M. I'm going with the value play at Louisville plus 110, only because it's plus money. We both think that this is a complete coin flip and that Jacob Palish is the Texas A&M pitcher that you need to watch. Virginia Tech and Oklahoma, there's just too much pop in Virginia Tech's bat. We both agree there. All right, so I'm going to take UConn to beat Stanford out there. Brad's going to take Stanford, but we both agree that Taking this series to go over two and a half games is the play here. After that, down at the Chapel Hill Super Regional, Brad's going to go with the Hogs. I'm going to go with North Carolina because I think it's got about 20 cents of run on it because the starting pitchers are better. But like I said before, if Hagen Smith is locating, uh, if some of our pitchers are locating, our bullpen is better, we can win the series. We can beat anybody if Hagen Smith is pitching the way he did the other night. Hattiesburg Regional, uh, I am on the Southern Miss side. Brad is going to go against me on the Ole Miss side. And then finally, we both agree on Oregon State. All right, Brad, out of the four that you like that I just named, because they're on the other side of the bracket from Tennessee, I'm not even going to entertain the, the teams up top that are in Tennessee's bracket in Omaha. Give me somebody out of your bracket in the bottom. That would be Oregon State going up against Ole Miss. And then the other one would be Arkansas going up against Stanford Give me one of those four teams to meet Tennessee in the College World Series final. Oregon State. Oregon State is the uh, – they're just solid. It's, it's hard to hard to bet against a team that's got the pitching, defense, and fielding. I like their coaching. I'm rolling with the Beavers to see Tennessee in the final. Sorry, Hogs. Uh, you've got – it's a coaching mismatch when Oregon State plays Arkansas. That's all there is to it. <laughs> More love for Dave Van Horn. Uh, yeah. Okay, so let's end on this. This is Brad and I, I think seventh or eighth week in a row, Brad and I have brought you a college baseball podcast. 
We've been avoiding Oregon State futures every week because the price has always been nine to one or 10 to one. There's never been any value on it. Right now, Oregon State, who is going to win their regional against Auburn, a team that can't play on the road and can't hit homers on the road, they're going to win. They're going to be advanced and they're going to be in the bracket on the opposite side of Tennessee. And to me, that has value. I'm going to join Brad. Beavers, nine to one. I think they're going to be in the College World Series final against Tennessee. We'll see what happens there when Cooper Jerpies gets his hand on some of those volunteers. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. That is going to do it. Brad, are you ready for uh, – I'm going to leave you with one last thing. You ready for a 10 a.m. start time, some uh, some Bloody Marys and eggs and kegs uh, for, for North Carolina and Arkansas? You ready to go? I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to find a, a people to party with at 10 a.m. for a college baseball game. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't even know who to call to complain to. Yeah. It's embarrassing. But, yes, if you, if you want to come to Fayetteville, absolutely. I actually have tickets – to uh chapel hill but i'm selling them yeah well i tell you what you know if i wasn't writing or uh, playing golf with my wife uh i would take that flight with you and i'd be drinking with you during the entire game but yeah whooping suey i hope my bet loses on that for brad uh, at real brad audrain and colin at underscore colin one please read the full super regional preview over at actionnetwork.com we will be back next week potentially the last podcast, we'll, we might have another one before the College World Series final, uh, but College World Series Omaha starts next week. We will be back to give that to you. Uh, until then, we'll see you on the road to Omaha. Omaha.